there, Java junkies. It's Andrea. Before we start today's show, I have an exciting announcement to share with you. On April 17th, Time for Coffee is going to hold its first in-person live event. That's right. We're inviting you to join us in the audience for free. And we've got all kinds of cool swag to give away to the first 25 Java junkies who show up. So make sure to get there early. We're calling it Time for Coffee's Caffeinated Career Mini Summit. And it'll take place at the University of Maryland at 7 p.m. on April 17th. And for those of you in the area, we hope you'll join us at Maryland's College Park campus. Just go to timeforcoffee.org to get more information. Now, let's get on with the show. Hi there, I'm Andrea Koppel, and it's Time for Coffee, the podcast where you get to hear firsthand what the jobs and careers that interest you the most are really like. Hey there, Java junkies. Welcome to another episode of T4C. I am so thrilled you press play. If you're interested in the environment, social justice, forestry, or access to real food, then this is the episode for you. Because my next guest is the executive director of a nonprofit that works in all those sectors to advance social equity, economic opportunity, and environmental well-being. But before I introduce you to the talented Jeremy Barnacle, I want to make sure you've signed up for the Java Junkies Journal. That's the weekly newsletter we send out every Monday morning to give you a sneak peek of the episodes we'll be dropping that week. So please head over to the Time for Coffee website at time4coffee.org and sign up. It is super easy. Now, my Java lovers, please grab your mug and take a chug of your favorite caffeinated brew because it's time for another caffeinated career conversation. And my wonderful next guest is Jeremy Barnacle, who joined EcoTrust as executive director in 2016. Jeremy has spent more than two decades working at the intersection of policy, philanthropy, and social change. Jeremy served 11 years at the global humanitarian organization Mercy Corps in a variety of positions where he helped guide the organization's global strategy and position the Portland-based nonprofit as one of the most respected humanitarian organizations in the world. Prior to Mercy Corps, Jeremy worked for the State Department, for a U.S. congressman, for several consulting firms, and as a Peace Corps volunteer. Jeremy, welcome to Time for Coffee. Are you caffeinated and ready to go? If I were any more caffeinated, we'd all be in trouble. I am so excited to be here. Awesome, Jeremy. Listen, on Time for Coffee, there's no such thing as being too caffeinated. So go for it. Let us jump right into the T4C espresso shots. These are 10 questions to help Java junkies learn more about how they can get into, in this case, the environmental side of the nonprofit world. So first question, Jeremy, what entry-level jobs are available to young people who want to break into, whether it's EcoTrust or just this space? Well, naturally, internships are a great place to start. But here we'll have sort of program associate types who are people typically pretty fresh out of college with a little bit of work experience. And they serve kind of like a dual program and administrative role. 
almost like a desk officer maybe. And then they tend to develop their content expertise and start to figure out what they really want to do. And then there's a pretty good upward path from there. What about a useful skill or skills that you look for in the people that you hire? I look for adaptability and energy. In most social change organizations, you're going to have to do a little bit of everything and roll with the punches. And often, if you're somebody who shows up with just a great spirit and great energy and resilience, that's the most important, frankly, a lot more important than some of the hard skills. Absolutely. And I want to let our listeners know that you have this amazing space at EcoTrust that I haven't seen in person, but I've seen it online. And you really don't have many offices there. So you're doing this interview, I guess, in some kind of a common space. Yeah. For all I know, I'm going to attract kind of an audience. So who knows? Okay. Well, maybe we'll get to see some selfies or or whatnot (laughs) show up on Instagram. That would be cool. Jeremy, is someone's major a deciding factor to get into this profession? In other words, if they haven't studied environmental studies or something in that realm, is that a deal breaker? Not at all. To me, what a major indicates is someone's level of interest in an issue. It's never a deal breaker, but it gives me a good sense that, yeah, this person is committed to this set of issues. So what are the range of majors that you're seeing among the staff at EcoTrust? We get everybody from hard sciences, hard and natural sciences, so biology, ecology, chemistry, to planners, to policy people, to econ folks, to business folks. That's really the range on the programmatic front for us. What is a planner? Like an urban planner. Oh, okay. Got it. What about a graduate school degree? And I know you have your degree, Jeremy, in public policy. You got a master's at the Woodrow Wilson School. But what about other people who are at senior levels at EcoTrust and for that matter, at other nonprofits that are in the area? The single most common graduate degree among my leadership team is an MBA. We've got somebody from Yale, one from Chicago, two from Northwestern, one from Stanford. It's really important. It depends on what exactly your function is. And we've got PhD scientists. We have PhD economists. I've got a master's in public policy. I think I may be the only one. And then a bunch of MBAs. So I think it's really important both for the hard skills that you learn with those degrees, but also as an indicator of your seriousness and dedication. Of course, I'm interviewing CFO candidates right now. And not all of them have advanced degrees, which is fine too. Yeah. We should say for those who may not know what a CFO is, that's a chief financial officer. Jeremy, what about life experiences? What do you think are the most useful ones to have for someone who's starting out in the nonprofit space generally and perhaps specifically in the environmental space? Broadly in the nonprofit space with life experience, it's people who have done some stuff. And I know that that sounds kind of general, but like I said earlier, working in social change day in, day out requires kind of a resilience and an intrinsic motivation because no one's ever going to pay you as much as your work is really worth. And so you really have to be motivated by your ideals. That helps. I would say more specific on the environmental front, the real lack in our industry these days is around people of color, minorities, people of color, recent immigrants, 
And there's a huge push in the broader environmental movement to bring in more folks of that profile, not just because it's kind of the right thing to do in an ethical, from an ethical standpoint, but it's the smart thing to do because if you really care about durable solutions on the things that we care about, you really need to engage the people who are often affected worse than first. And particularly with climate change, that's going to be poor people. So you're saying people who have come from those communities who have lived the experience of whatever that issue is to come in and help you in terms of bringing about the solutions necessary to fix the problems. Yes, we actually write into position descriptions now that we've got this set of educational requirements or expertise or the equivalent in lived experience, which is very much a move in the equity direction. Isn't that interesting? I have never heard that before. That's cutting edge for sure. Yeah. Well, in our space, we really have to be because it's just been such a white dominated movement for so long that if we don't break out of the things that we've always done, we're not going to get any different outcomes. Absolutely. And just even thinking about where EcoTrust is working both in the Pacific Northwest and Alaska, you have a lot of indigenous people who are living in those communities. That's a huge part of our work. And I would say that when we think about equity here, it is our relationships with indigenous people that we've always been in a pretty good place. I mean, I've got three board members who are their Canadian First Nation or Native American. They're my bosses and they make sure that we're focused on the right things. I've got three or four Native American staff right now. And so on that front, I feel like we're reasonably well positioned, but in this region, by far the fastest growing demographic is Latino. And we feel really underrepresented, whether it's board staff or partners on that front to do our jobs. Understood. So Jeremy, what is the best part for you of being in this profession and being the executive director at a nonprofit like EcoTrust? I would say the best part of being executive director is a sense of accountability. And I know that sounds kind of perverse almost because the accountability can be really hard, but I'm where the buck stops. And this is the first time in my career that that's been the case. And I like that. I like on the one hand pressure, but then on the other hand, the autonomy of having that. Yeah. What about the flip side? What is the part of your current job that sucks the most? I think for me is that the problems all come to me, right? I mean, there's no part of the business that I can look at and say, well, that's not really my thing to worry about. And so just the way things go, I mean, if it's not a problem on the people front or the problem on the fundraising front or a problem on the partnership front, or we're not having the impact we want, pretty much always something. And I think that's just part of the kind of callous you need to build up as the chief executive of a nonprofit is that there's probably always going to be something and you need to be ready to roll with that and get on, still motivate the team and keep everybody focused and stay personally energized, even though there's almost always going to be some kind of challenge that you need to solve. I'm guessing that your daily run, I'm not sure if you're still doing the daily runs that you did when we were both at Mercy Corps, but I would think that those would become even more important as a stress reliever. It's funny you say that. I just ran 20 miles on Sunday because I'm training for the LA Marathon in a couple of weeks. And for me, exercise is totally indispensable for my own mental health and, and my ability to lead. Holy cow. Way to go, Jeremy. <laughs> 20 okay. miles is a long way. That is a long way. Oh my God. Okay. So what is the best career advice you've ever gotten? Best career advice I ever got was really kick ass at the job that you have, whatever that is. I was raised in a 
ambitious, hard driving Washington, D.C. family. Felt like I was sort of trained from the start to always be looking a step or two ahead. And I think that that's fine. That's that's healthy. But never to do that and neglect your your day job, because that's going to be where you learn stuff. That's going to be where you prove yourself. And that's where you're going to win friends, fans, allies, whatever, who are really going to help you advance beyond that. Absolutely. That is great advice. So Jeremy, two final espresso shots, second to last. What movies or Hulu, Netflix, Amazon shows, or for that matter, fiction books, do you think accurately depict your profession? The Hurt Locker sometimes. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. For those of you who haven't seen The Hurt Locker, that's a guy who disarms IEDs. (laughs) Yeah. Sometimes it feels like that. Wow. Okay. Well, let's just hope because he had some rocky days there. I mean, let's be real here. And the way he dealt with stress was not the most healthy. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Not the most regenerative way to do it. (laughs) All right. Last espresso shot. What, Jeremy, would Java junkies be surprised to learn about your profession? I would say how many people who work in the environmental movement don't actually get out and around in nature that much. One would think at a place like EcoTrust, like literally 100% of the staff would be people who are outside all the time. And, and that's not necessarily the case. I mean, you have people with very different interests, but who have the same values. Okay. That is surprising. I would not have guessed that. I would have thought everybody would have been like super out in the woods or the mountains or fishing on a beautiful stream somewhere in the middle of nowhere. But I guess that's great because anybody is welcome. Yeah, well, that's the thing. I mean, lots of people are like that. But as I mentioned on trying to diversify the team for the purpose of better reflecting the region that we serve and just doing better work, you really need to get out of it's not just a a race or a class thing, but even kind of lifestyle and interests, we're better off when we have people who say, yeah, actually, what I really like to do on Saturdays is sit around and watch movies or go to a coffee shop with my friends. If we're all fly fishermen, then we're weaker, honestly. Yeah, just so long as they're saying they're not taking their RV out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. Like burning a lot of fossil fuel. That's okay. <laughs> yeah, not not okay. Jeremy Barnacle, thank you so much for making time for coffee today with me and the Time for Coffee community. This was super interesting, and it was a pleasure talking with you. Thanks so much for having me, Thanks so much for listening to Time for Coffee, where the professionals in the jobs that most interest you always have time to grab coffee 24-7, no matter where you live. I have one quick favor to ask you. Remember to rate, review, and subscribe to Time for Coffee. Thanks so much.